Today in Canadian history for May 24th, I'm Mark Affelt. Actor, comedian, and musician Tommy Chong was born in Edmonton, Alberta on this day back in 1938. Yes, I'm talking about that Tommy Chong. But I'm not going to be talking about what you think I might be talking about. Because although you might recognize his name from his world-famous comedy duo, Cheech and Chong, what you might not have known is that he led quite a successful musical career back in the 1960s. Tommy Chong was a member of Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's, a Vancouver-based group that was briefly signed by Barry Gordy Jr. to his world-famous Detroit-based music label by the name of Motown Records. Now this is the same Motown Records that was producing hits by Diana Ross and the Supremes, Little Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, and The Temptations. Not impressed yet? Well, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's were once supported by their then up-and-coming label mates by the name of the Jackson Five. Now we're going to set his comedy career aside. Cheech and Chong had a huge impact on the popular culture of the 1970s. But the musical career of Tommy Chong offers a fascinating window into Western Canada's music scene in the 1950s and 1960s. Chong was born in Edmonton, raised in Calgary, and received his break while running a nightclub and working as a musician in Vancouver. Chong spent some of his days in Calgary as a member of a band called The Shades, who took their name from the fact that the band featured members of white, Chinese, black, and Aboriginal ethnicity. Now remember, this is the 1950s, and for a bit of context, Jim Crow laws enforcing racial segregation were in effect in parts of the United States all the way up until 1965. To learn more about these early, hectic days as a Canadian musician, I spoke with the man himself, Tommy Chong. I actually started uh, playing music around, I guess, the early, early 50s. Uh, I started playing, let's see, I was 10 years old, so that would be 48, 1948. I started playing uh, rhythm guitar for a fiddle player. And that was that was the music scene in Calgary for years. We had one station, and it just played country songs. Uh, Hank Snow, another Canadian, was a, was a, was the big was the big deal. And then uh, that was the music. It was Hank Snow, and he was a Canadian from Nova Scotia. And we um, and then I played uh, rhythm guitar for the fiddle player Mel. And then I played uh, rhythm guitar for uh, an Indian, full-blooded Indian, named Dick Bird. And uh, he was the one that really got me into show business, because we would do shows at the Canadian Legion, and and then we, um, any time he had a gig, he, he he went to Western Canada High School. And, and lunch hour, he, the, this when Elvis came out. So Elvis came out, what, 54, something like that? Uh, when Elvis hit. <laughs> and then Dick looked a little bit like Elvis. In fact, he had a guitar and black hair. That's how he looked like him. And he and he would do his Elvis bit at lunch hour for the uh, at the auditorium in Western Canada High School. And I would come down, take the bus with my guitar and come down and, and play with him. Uh, I was his backup guitar. Uh, I was his band. Then I got into dancing, you know, uh, the Lindy Hop, you know, the jive kind of thing. And uh, and I st- started hanging out with the rough crowd, you know, the Zoot Suiters, they call them. 
uh, what were they called, hoods, you know, the bad, badass guys. But one of them could dance, and I used to see him at dances, and I, and I wanted to be like him. So I, I started wearing the drape pants and going to dances and dancing, like, like the movie Grease, except we had, instead of blue jeans, we had drape pants. And then we used to go to dances at schools and that. And, and it was a, a combination dancing and fighting. There'd be a big fight, uh, you know, but the guys that couldn't dance would end up picking a fight. All the the bad guys, you know, alcohol was involved, of course, and there'd be fights and dancing. Um, and then I got into the black community in Calgary, and we started, uh, I started dancing with the, with the black uh, girl, and she was like my first black girlfriend. And we were dancing partners, and, and then um, I met a, a football player named Tommy Milton. And Tommy heard that I played guitar, so Tommy turned me on to rhythm and blues. And Tommy was a singer, too. So we started a band called The Shades in Calgary, the first band. And we played there for a couple of years. You know, we we were so oh, we were so green. We had we we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we were like the first punk band. You know, all except we played rock and we played rhythm and blues. And in Calgary, you were a member of of the Shades, a, a group that uh, that consisted of members of of different ethnicities. And I'm wondering, you were playing pretty pretty cutting-edge music for the time. I'm wondering, uh, how did Calgary, I mean, how did the people of Calgary receive you guys? Well, let me tell you about what, what I did. I was, I was always kind of socially uh, conscious, you know. And I got in a bit of trouble when I was 16. And, uh, and then I realized, you know, that uh, there wasn't a whole lot for kids to do in Calgary. You know, in fact, there was nothing to do for kids, period. And so I started, we, we, we started a band and a teen club at the same time. So, so we started, we rented the, the Legion Hall and we had the teen club and we had, uh, you know, and, and the band played there. And so, so we were, and then we played it we went up to Edmonton a few times, you know, just to, to do a, like a battle of the bands up there. And, and our reputation, you know, as a blues band, you know, spread around Alberta because there was nothing like us. You couldn't hear that music on the radio, and you couldn't hear it anywhere, except you had to come to our dances. And then we played like Bo Diddley and Muddy Waters and all those, uh, Chuck Berry, all those great uh, uh, R&B uh, uh, sounds. And the only problem was is that we, we attracted a lot of teenagers to the to the dance. And then after the dance was over, they, they shut us down around midnight, yeah, and then after midnight, everybody would go uh, meet at our dance, and then go out and and terrorize the city, you know, looking for parties. You know, they didn't want to stop; they want to keep partying. Oh, there's a party over here, and there'd be some girl babysitting, you know. And so then they would tear the place apart, and there'd be fights, and then you know some guy's boyfriend would get upset, and then and all these hoodlums that came to our dance, you know, thanks to me. <laughs> They would uh, end up fighting, and so the cops came to us a week before Christmas, and they said, uh, "We want you guys to leave town." They actually said that, and we said, "Why?" And they said, "Well, you know, you're, you're the, uh, there's no problem with the dance. The dances are fine, but you're attracting all these people to your dance, and then after they go terrorize the city." 
And so it'd be better, especially over the weekend. We don't, we don't, we don't want to have to deal with you guys, with with that crowd over over the holidays. You know, we got enough on our hands. And and so they said, do you have to leave town? And uh, and this, uh, we were in the mayor's office, being told that. And so instead of giving a giving a white hat, it was Mayor Don McKay. Don McKay was there. The chief of police was there, and uh, and uh, and the head of the boys' club, uh, and the legion. The legion wanted us to stay. You know, they liked to. We paid twenty five bucks a night to rent their hall, and they they liked it. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, we left. And, and, and we, we drove to Vancouver. After being driven out of Calgary, Vancouver wasn't initially much better. Chong and his bandmates were forced to eat their food in the kitchen and were warned on multiple occasions by club owners not to, uh, well, liaise with the waitresses. Anyway, as time went on, things looked better. Eventually, Chong co-founded a nightclub and started a band with Bobby Taylor on lead vocals. Well, see, Bobby Taylor, uh, he, he's got this amazing voice, and he could imitate anybody. And so at the time, he was imitating uh, uh, Motown. He, he could do Motown better than Motown. And uh, and so the word got out. You know, the Supremes came with Diana Ross. They came and seen us uh, first, you know. And then Diana Ross called Barry, and, you know, she was going with him at the time, and she said, you got to hear these guys. And so Barry flew to Vancouver to be with Diana and to, uh, and to hear us. And, uh, and he signed us that night. And then, then we didn't hear from him after that. And so we, we ended up uh, packing our stuff and, and, and gigging our way all the way to, uh, to, uh, to Detroit. And we went down to Seattle. We gigged in Seattle. Then we gigged in in uh, Los Angeles. And then we flew from Los Angeles to uh, to uh, Detroit. And then Barry Gordy met with us. And then we never had our our record. You know, the writer Tom Baird wasn't with us. And so Barry sent for Tom because we had these original songs. You know that we wanted to do. And. Uh, and we did them, and we had one of the songs that I wrote, you know, the lyrics, uh, Does Your Mama Know About Me, became a, a pretty nice, nice hit for everybody. Today is a day full of Canadian history. Queen Victoria, or I should say the woman who would become Queen Victoria, was born on May 24th, 1819. The Canada's Election Act was passed on this day back in 1918, allowing all women over the age of 21 to vote in federal elections. And as always, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW 90.9 FM. The executive producers are Joe Burma and Mark Affeld. Original music is produced by the Fisk, Fletcher and May Trio. Our series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cjsw.com slash today in Canadian history.